God's Road Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nybert. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, the writer to the Hebrews says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. I've entitled this morning's message, Our Profession. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Now, what does that word mean when the writer to the Hebrews speaks of our profession? Well, the two things that are important for us to understand about this word. It means literally to speak the same thing. Agreement. It's what all of God's people are in complete agreement on. All of God's people believe this. This is the profession of every believer, the church. The next thing that's important for us to remember is this word is also translated confession. Same word. When we confess something, we plead guilty. This I confess to thee, Paul said, after the way which they call heresy, so worship I, the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. Now, what I profess is what I'm willing to take the consequences for, for believing it. I am, by the grace of God, willing to die for this. This is how important this is to me. I'm willing, by the grace of God, to die for what I'm professing. That gives us some idea of the importance of this. Now, remember, in the Bible, there are not denominations. There are no denominations. There are no Catholics and Presbyterians and Baptists and all these man-made things that we've made. All believers are one in what they believe. There's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism. They're not denominations, they're not divisions. This is what all believers are agreed on, this profession. Now, when he says our profession, he identifies who they are. This describes every believer. Wherefore, holy brethren... Partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Now, our profession is a person. It is not a carefully crafted document written by men to safeguard the truth. 
We have these confessions of faith and creeds and so on, but they're all man-made documents. I don't care how accurate they are. I'm not interested in a man-made document. Uh, the truth does not need to be safeguarded. I do not need some uh, document written by men to uh, interpret the Bible for me, so I can only look at it through that lens of that particular document. It's man-made any way you look at it. When I hear people talk about the Reformed faith, what comes to my mind is truth never needed reformed. Reformed from what? And when I hear of the Reformers, now I respect uh, the men who the Lord has used in the past, but to, to make it sound like they have reformed the faith and they've rescued it to keep it pure, no, God's truth never needed rescued. It never needed reformed. It's always been. Now, it is uh, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21, the written document, the Bible, that the Bible is our only rule of faith and practice. Nothing else. But understand this, our profession is a person. Everything we believe is predicated on who we believe. Now, let me show you that from the scripture. First, I've already read our profession, Christ Jesus. He is our profession, Christ Jesus, who he is. We read in Hebrews 4.14, seeing that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. Our profession is Jesus, the Son of God. Now, I'd like to read a passage of Scripture from Luke, chapter 1, when Luke is opening up the Gospel of Luke. And he says in verse 1, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. He's talking about the apostles. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. The certainty, the things that are most surely believed among us. Now, like I said, it's the Bible. Genesis 1-1 through Revelation 22-21, written by over 40 different authors over a period of some 1,500 years. It has one message. But if I would pick out a passage of Scripture that I believe would be the passage that most clearly identifies what every believer believes, what every believer professes, I would go to the thief on the cross. Now, this was a man who was saved in the 11th hour, but we know he was saved because the Lord said regarding this man, Verily, verily, I say unto you, today you'll be with me in paradise. There's no question that this man was saved. And he was saved the 11th hour. He's a man who would 
give us an example of the man who had, for lack of a better uh, way of saying this, the least amount of knowledge and still be saved. We know he was saved. We know he was saved in the 11th hour. We know he was only alive for a few hours before he died. He only spent a few hours as a believer. Uh, He actually saw the Lord die. The Lord died before him and he heard the seven sayings of the Savior from the cross. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But we know this man was saved. What did this man believe? Now I repeat, this man believed all that every believer believes. This man had the same profession as every other believer. What did this man believe? Well, it begins with who this man believed. Now he went to the cross not knowing who Christ was. When he was nailed to the cross, he did not know who Jesus Christ was. He was uh, insulting him, railing on him like the other thief. But something took place. He went from railing and blaspheming and cursing Christ to becoming strangely silent. All of a sudden, the truth had been revealed to him who this man was. Now, he had been cursing Christ, railing on him, and he's listening to the other thief railing on him. And we read beginning in verse 39 of Luke chapter 23. This is the story of the two thieves. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on Christ, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other, answering, said unto him, Dost thou not fear God? Now here is where saving Knowledge, for lack of a better word, begins the fear of God. Now, when that thief was first nailed to that cross, he had no fear of God. The scripture says regarding every natural man, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, understand this. The fear of God is not the fear of punishment. It's not the fear of hell. It's not the fear of loss. It's not the fear of mistrust and unbelief. Everybody has that kind of fear. That is not the fear of God. The scripture says the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. It begins with his fear. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Now the fear of God is bowing before who he is. When the Lord made his name known to Moses in Exodus chapter 34, here is what Moses did. And Moses made haste, no indecision, and bowed his head to the earth and worshiped. 
when God made himself known to Moses in the burning bush, and that burning bush says so much, Moses saw this bush that could not be consumed. It kept burning. It didn't need the energy of the wood to continue the burning, and the bush could not be consumed. The fire couldn't consume it. And in this, we're taught who God is, who Jesus Christ is. He's independent God. The wrath of God could not consume him. He is independent God. He didn't need the wood to uh, cause the uh, fire to continue. He is God. He's the man who consumed God's wrath. He's the one who teaches us in this Glorious miracle, how God can be just and justify the ungodly. Now, this is the God who appeared to Moses. And when he made himself known to Moses, his name in Exodus chapter 34, Moses made haste, hit the dirt, and worshiped. Now, with regard to every attribute God reveals in his word, a believer bows. God is holy. He's other. He's a part the believer bows. God is absolutely just. There's no unrighteousness in him. The believer bows. God is absolutely sovereign. He's the first cause of everything. The believer bows. God is all powerful. The believer bows. God is independent. He has no needs. The believer bows. Here's the fear of God. You bow before every one of his attributes in awe and reverence. Not in disagreement, not in anger, not in resentment, but you bow willingly before who he is as he's revealed in his word. Now here's the, the clincher on whether or not somebody fears God. If you fear God, You're afraid to look anywhere but Christ alone as all your acceptance before God. Now, if you don't do that, you don't really have a fear of God. You don't really respect God. You don't have that awe and that reverence of the greatness of his person. If you do, you're afraid to look anywhere but Christ alone as everything in your salvation. Now, The first thing he says to that man who is cursing, don't you fear God. Now, the next thing that I would notice is he knew who that one on the cross was. He's God. Don't you fear God? He knew that Jesus Christ is God Almighty. Somebody says, well, how could he have possibly known that? The same way you know it. If you know it, he revealed this to you. The only way you and I really know anything comes from the revelation of God. God revealed this to him. Now you take that other thief that was cursing. God never revealed himself to him. That man was dying as he lived with no love for God, no no hope in God. But now this other thief, he knows who he is now. Don't you fear God? He knew, I believe, a little bit more than Philip did. When Philip said, show us the Father and sufficeth us. And the Lord said, have I been so long time with you and yet hast thou not known me? He that has seen me hath seen the Father. Jesus Christ is God. God manifest in 
the flesh. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. He knew that Jesus Christ is God, and everybody who knows him, this is our confession. Jesus Christ is God. Now let's go on reading. Verse 40, but the other answering, rebuking, saying, Does not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. This man understood that he was a sinner. And he was getting exactly what he deserved. We're receiving the due reward of our deeds. This man believed in God's justice in condemning and damning them. Now, think about that. He believed in the justice of God, in the damnation of himself and anybody else, because God's just, because God's holy. I am sinful. Now, whenever I hear someone making objections to the gospel, they think there's some lack of fairness on God's part. They hear of election. They say, well, how could that be fair for him to choose one and not choose another? Or they hear of Christ's redemption for a sheep. And they say, how could that be fair for him not to die for everybody and just die for a sheep, just die for the elect? How could that be fair? I know that person does not really believe in the absolute sinfulness of themselves. Because if they saw how sinful they were, they wouldn't say, how could God be fair to condemn me? They would know God would be absolutely just in condemning them. And this thief knew that. He justified God in whatever he did. He said, we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. He saw his own sinfulness and he understood that he had to have Christ do something for him because he couldn't do anything for himself. He understood that. And he looked at his other buddy on the cross and said, we're receiving exactly what we have coming. But then next he says, but this man hath done nothing amiss. He knew that the Lord Jesus Christ is the man, this man. Christ Jesus not only is God, he's God manifest in the flesh. He came as a man. And beloved, as a man, he did what he came to do. No failure on his part. He is the man, Christ Jesus. And look what he says with regard to his humanity. He says, this man hath done nothing amiss. Now, I want you to think about what he said. Um, he'd only known the Lord Jesus a few hours. Yet he could say with regard to this man, he's done nothing amiss. He's never sinned. How do you know this? Because he knew who he was. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you know him as the God-man who can never sin. If you believe in a Christ who could sin, you've got the wrong Christ. The Christ of the Bible is he who could never 
sin. This man hath done nothing amiss. You see, in the flesh, he worked out a perfect righteousness, keeping the law of God perfectly. And he did not even have the potential to sin because of who he is. I've heard people talk about his obedience and they say, well, he didn't give in to temptation. Uh, there wouldn't be any virtue in his obedience if he, if he couldn't see, if he lacked the ability to sin. Well, that's foolishness. Um, he, if he could sin, he's not God. If he could sin, he could change. God cannot sin. God cannot lie. Jesus Christ is God. He hath done nothing amiss. And understand this. It's his perfect obedience that is the only hope the believer has of being obedient before God. His righteousness, his having done nothing amiss, being my righteousness before God. This man hath done nothing amiss. He knew of the perfect obedience of Christ. And then he looked at that one hanging on the tree and he said, Lord. He knew Jesus Christ was the Lord because he knew who he was. You see, if you know who he is, you know he is the Lord. Now, what is meant by that? That's not an empty title. That means he's Lord of creation. He spake the world into existence as an act of his will. He's Lord of providence. That means everything that takes place takes place according to his will being done. There's nothing outside of the control of his sovereign will. He really is Lord, not just an empty title. He's the Lord of providence, most especially He's the Lord of salvation. That means salvation's up to him. If you're saved, it will be because he willed your salvation. The leper understood this. He said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He is the Lord. Now, he looks at that one nailed to a cross, seemingly so helpless you couldn't even see his countenance, his visage was more marred than the sons of men. And he said, you're the Lord. How did he know? Because he knew who he was. Remember, our profession is a person. He's the Lord. He believed what Peter came preaching, peace by Jesus Christ. He's Lord of all. The thief knew that. How did he know it? He was revealed to him. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, I want you to think about what this man said. He was looking at the Lord nailed to a cross. And he actually was a witness to the death of the Lord. He was still alive when the Lord died. Remember when the um, soldiers came to break the legs of the thieves so they would uh, die and suffocate? When they came to the Lord, they didn't bother to break his legs because they saw he was already dead. And the Bible had prophesied, not a bone of him shall be broken. But they saw he was already dead. These, other thieves, these two thieves saw him die. And yet he looks at this one who you couldn't even recognize. And he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Whatever you do must be successful because of who you are. You're not going to stay dead. You're not going to stay in the tomb when they put you there. You're going to come back. You're going to be raised from the dead. And you're going to come back as a mighty reigning king.
Now, anybody who knows who he is knows that's so because of who he is. He can't fail. The scripture says he cannot fail or be discouraged. Now, if he died for you, if he intended to save you, you must be saved. You can't run the risk of the hazard of the possibility of being anything but saved. If he represented you, if he kept the law for you, if he died for you, because he cannot fail because of who he is. Now, a lot of folks uh, look at his death. They think, well, he died for everybody. He wanted to save everybody, but um, everybody he wanted to be saved is not saved. Now, if you believe that, you believe he's a failure. If you believe that he can fail to do what he intended to do, but no believer believes that. That thief with the most rudimentary faith, the most simple faith, he knew that Christ would return as a mighty reigning king. And this is what every believer believes. Why? Because they know who he is. Now, listen to these words. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Do you know if the Lord simply remembers me as one he represented? Nothing else will need to be said. Lord, remember me. I can't make any claims. I can't talk about the things I've done or haven't done. I can't make any promises of what good I will do. The only hope that I have is if you remember me. And if you remember me, I'm saved. I'm secure. I'm in heaven. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the Lord said to this man, he gave him more assurance than he gave anybody else in all the Bible. He said, verily I say unto you today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. And he was with the Lord that very day in paradise. The Lord said he would be. Now, our profession, our profession is a person, who he is. And everything a believer believes is predicated on who he is. He's the Lord. He's God. He's man. He cannot fail. He's done nothing amiss. He's coming back as a mighty reigning king. He can't have a failure in what he does. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now the faith of the thief is the faith of every believer. This is the profession of our faith. This is the faith of every single believer. They all believe the same thing because they all believe him, who he is, what he did, and where he is now. That is our profession. 
Now we have this message on DVD and CD. If you call the church, write or look on our website, you can get a copy there too. This is Todd Niper praying that God will be pleased to make himself known to you. To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen. 